0: You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Without further ado, Moke Hamilton joins us, one of my favorite humans on the planet. Moke, good morning. How you doing?
0: How how you doing, Anita? Happy Sunday. Uh, I imagine you sitting in front of your couch last night, pumping your fists with your purple and gold pom-poms cheering on LeBron James as he approached 60 points. Am I correct about that?
1: Obviously, you don't know me very well. I thought we were fr- I thought we were friends, Mo. I thought we were friends. Hey, hey, hey what, what kind of friend would I be if I didn't
0: tease you a little bit? You know, I know how much you love LeBron. I know how much you love the Lakers, right? Uh, so, you know, that's a little sarcasm there for you on this Sunday morning.
1: I hear you. I hear you. All right, let, let's start with what's going on in our own backyard uh, when it comes to the Knicks, right? Like Kipana, what an embarrassing loss um, to uh, to the Suns. Um, listen, I, I guess it's a double-edged sword, right? Like, who would have expected them to be in the mix, right? They blew a, 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 yeah. a lead, right? They they blew a lead. Julius Randle gets gets ejected, but and and, and how can you? Like, Cam Johnson was just un like unbelievable. Thirty eight points, nine of twelve from downtown. Hits that three pointer to seal the deal. Not a lot you can do in that regard, but. Um, you know, the, still, this is a Knicks team. They've lost seven straight, one of 12, and they're just reeling. Your, your thoughts on uh, on watching that Suns game and where you think this Knicks team is right now as they get ready to take on the Clippers later tonight?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, I, I am a, a longtime follower of the great Alan Hahn. You know, um, Alan and I go, go way back uh, to back when he was with Newsday. And, uh, you know, on, on, on Facebook, he actually put up a comment that I just thought was so appropriate and so true, where he said that game by itself is pretty much a microcosm of the Knicks' mm-hmm. season. And I, I think, you know, obviously it's difficult to, to disagree with that. I mean, you have Julius Randle. Uh, you know, something has just seemed off with him for as long as we can remember and for him to kind of lose his cool like that in a game where his team obviously used him but also was playing pretty well, uh, it, it was out of character for what we'd seen from him last season. This season, you know, I don't know, it just seems like he's carrying some some emotional baggage that I think got, got the better of him there. Uh, so aside from that, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's just one of those things, you know, a team down there, the, the starting backcourt that most people think is the best backcourt in the NBA – and, um, you know, some of their role players step up and they end up, you know, giving the Knicks what really came out to be a heartbreaking defeat because despite losing Randall, they were still in a position to win that game. But that, unfortunately, has been the story of the Knicks season. Uh, you know, as we wake up on Sunday, as you said, Anita, you know, they're 13 games under, well, you didn't say, they're 13 games under 500 right now. They trail the Atlanta Hawks by six games for the 10th seed in the conference. And it doesn't really seem like they're going to have a chance to even qualify for the play-in, which is just a major disappointment relative to what the expectations were for them coming into the season. So I mean, you know, you're on, you're on your season long road trip. You got to try to salvage a couple if you can.
1: All right. So let's look big picture here. And I'm sure, you know, Mark Berman from, from the post, he has an article out saying that the organization is quote unquote, Um, worried about Julius Randle's psyche, right? The thumbs down, all that that happened with the fans. Him, you know, having beef with refs. Apparently, he's having beef with assistant coaches. Reports are that he came in to training camp uh, unfit, not ready to go. Also apparently there's reports that he's jealous of RJ Barrett. He doesn't participate in in player intros when they're on the road. The list goes on and on. Now, you know, 4-year, 117 million extension. If if these reports are true, and I'm not doubting Mark Berman, but I'm just saying if these reports are true, you don't want and I hate to use the word cancer. It's such a it's such a strong word, but like you don't want this type of drama uh, in in your in your locker room, especially if you're looking to try to only better your situation, as we know, the Knicks have um, been in a really horrible situation for decades now. So what what do you what do you see the Knicks doing here? Like is is are there teams out there that you think would be in, interested in Julius Randle, even considering like what a horrible season he's had so far?
0: Oh, uh, I mean, yeah, Anita, I do. Um, you know, I think I think I've been around. I think I've been covering the league long enough to see quote-unquote unmovable and untradable players being traded several times. You know what I mean? Like, just off the top of my head, you know, there was a time where we thought Rashard Lewis had a contract that was unmovable. We thought Gilbert Arenas had one that was unmovable. Russell Westbrook, you know, as poorly as Westbrook has played this season, uh, uh, according to reports at least, the Lakers still could have flipped him to the Rockets. You know what I mean? Like, there's just always something to be done for teams that are motivated to make moves. But like Porzingis being moved on to Dallas is another example that comes to mind. So I think the question would more be what kind of return would the Knicks want to give up a guy who's just one year removed from being an all-star and from being the league's uh, most improved player, you know? Uh, that said, Anita, I actually think really what the Knicks need to do is they just need to focus on finding a solution at the point guard spot. Winning in the NBA cures all. And if they simply, for example, were able to get someone like a Tyrese Halliburton or if they had someone like a Fred Van Vliet from up in Toronto, it would kind of make the pieces fall back into place a little bit. I think it would alleviate a lot of the frustration that the players on that roster have. And I think everybody would be a little happier happier players tend to perform better so if i'm the knicks before i look to dump julius Randle and fire sell him for 15 cents on the dollar i would kick a few tires and see what kind of solution i could find at the point guard spot this summer first and then once i do that then i would reevaluate everything maybe i would check the market for him and if i found something that i liked, you know then maybe i would try to move on from him but i think the knicks will be able to find a taker if that is what they desire, I'm just not sure what kind of pieces they'd be able to get back in return. That would be my concern if I'm Scott Perry.
1: I'm just, I'm throwing this out here because I, I had read this potential, uh, you know, trade, um, this fantasy trade. Donovan Mitchell, in exchange for Randall, oh. quick, in, in exchange for Randall, quickly... Cam Reddish, I mean, yes, three, before you even three, three first, yes, yes, three yes. wait, three three <laughs> before, first and three three first and three seconds.
0: Wow. Okay. No, that's actually pretty steep. That's why you you should always listen more than you talk. So three first, <laughs> three seconds.
1: Randall, Randall quickly reddish three first reddish, three and seconds and for Donovan Mitchell. Would you do it? Please. Would you do it? Oh, uh, I I
0: would guess I would strongly consider it, Anita. I think for me, it would really boil down to what kind of protections I could do on my first-round pick. You know, if we're talking about one unprotected pick and two lottery-protected first-round picks, then maybe there is some wiggle room there. Um, It's a lot to give up. It's a lot to give up. But, I mean, if we're talking about two unprotected first-round picks, then I would probably draw the line there and say, no, you can't have Randall quickly and Reddish, and three unprotected first-round. That's a little steep, but I do think if the Jazz were considering trading Donovan Mitchell to get that player on the New York Knicks, someone who for, for, you know, we can consider to be a homegrown New York City kid, quote-unquote, uh, it would be very, very enticing. So I do think there would be a framework there, but I don't think I could go as steep as three unprotected first-round picks and quickly, and Randall, and Reddish. At least, at least one or two of those things would have to come off the table for me to uh, seriously play ball if I'm the Knicks.
1: By the way, this 90, this this ninety-eight point seven ESPN Hoops update brought to you by uh, Cityside Medical, the uh, the the ED specialist, of course. Um, all right, let's turn our attention to what's going on with the Nets. Very interesting game later on this afternoon against the Celtics. I'm really excited for this matchup. Of course, uh, some good news for the Nets, and that is. Um, KD is back healthy. Last game, played 35 minutes, put up 31 points. Steve Nash uh, passes health protocol, so he'll be on the court as well. And because it's on the road, Kyrie Irving is expected to play. <laughs> so, But I love this Celtics team in regard to what I've seen as of late. Um, what, what's your thoughts on this matchup this afternoon? How do you see this game playing out, Moak?
0: Yeah, well, the Celtics have been been pretty hot. You know, they are one of the hottest teams uh, in, in the Eastern Conference and I mean, it's really difficult to argue what they've been doing in the recent past, especially on the defensive end. You know, they, they certainly have found an identity, I would say, uh, at least temporarily you know, the, the pieces are fitting there, you know, so so definitely a, a great challenge for the net. As far as what I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, obviously it's always fun to see a guy like Kyrie Irving going up against some of his former mates on the Celtics Uh, but really it's just you know I think more than anything Anita with the Nets you know it was just so unfortunate that James Harden was really only able to play I think it was uh, 16 games with Kyrie and Kevin Durant and lost in all of the drama coming out of Brooklyn is the fact that those guys just really didn't spend much time on the court together at all so if, if I'm Steve Nash more than anything else I just want game reps. I want reps where Kyrie, and now that James Harden isn't there, there's going to be an adjustment for Kyrie Irving now. I actually wrote about this on on basketballnews.com earlier this week. You know, I think Kyrie himself is actually the, the biggest beneficiary of the James Harden trade, believe it or not, because I think it unlocks him. And I think once Ben Simmons gets on the court with him, it'll, it'll, kind of put Kyrie back into what I think is his most prosperous predicament for the Nets. That said, Kyrie now needs to readjust to being the primary ball handler while Durant is on the floor. He needs to readjust to being the second scorer, the second guy that the Nets are going to be looking to to score a basket when Durant is out there. Aside from that, you have some new pieces in Andre Drummond, and Steph Curry that I think the team still kind of needs to gel. So if I'm Steve Nash, I'm looking forward to a game against a good team. This is going to be a good challenge, but it gives the Nets an opportunity to play some meaningful minutes and to have some of their new pieces and their new rotation kind of gel a little bit. So I'll I'll definitely be tuning into this one. Certainly an interesting matchup for this Sunday afternoon.
1: Now, the expectation is for the big three, of course, we're talking about Ben Simmons. Uh, I know we were, uh, at least I was, hoping that he would return in that game March 10th at Philadelphia against the 76ers, but apparently now nice. it has changed, yeah. right? I know. So it's March 23rd against Memphis, and then the 25th at Miami, April 2nd it's at Atlanta. That, those are only three games that the new big three for the Nets will be able to play together prior to the postseason, and chances are they're gonna have to win that play in game in order to win in advance and get into, you know, the the legit tournament. What are your what are your expectations for them in that regard, Moak? Do you think three games together is enough for them to kind of like gel and get this chemistry in order prior to the, the the postseason beginning? Not not really
0: uh, not really. If I'm if I'm the Nets or, or if I'm a Nets fan, you know things are obviously changing right now, Anita. You know, like we walk around this city, and you know, I was watching uh, I don't know what, what Good Morning America or whatever this morning, and you know, the COVID uh, positivity rate in the city now is 1.8 percent. You know, which is as low as it's been since last August, which is which is great, right? And and we're seeing the mandates loosen up. You know, kids are going back to school. They're not being required to wear masks. Uh, Indoors, we're seeing a lot of the restrictions loosen up. So I think that we will see the private sector restriction that's still keeping Kyrie off of the court. I think that we may see that rolled back in the next couple of weeks as well. So there is a chance that he will be cleared to play at Barclays before the playoffs, but we don't know that. So assuming that does not happen, Three games will not be enough for these guys to really kind of feel each other out and know how to play. The only thing about it that would give me some hope if I'm Steve Nash is that Ben Simmons, more so than James Harden, is a guy that will be easy for his teammates to play off of because Ben Simmons is a guy who can grab a rebound and wants to get the ball up court. You know what I mean? Like, he wants to find guys. He and, I, and when I mentioned him unlocking Kyrie Irving, he'll unlock a lot of other guys on the roster as well because being a strong rebounder, being a great passer, being someone that can see the court, it won't be difficult for him to have a positive contribution even if he's put in a rotation with players whose uh, tendencies he doesn't exactly know. You know what I mean? So I, I think the learning curve isn't as steep because he's not such a ball dominant player that likes to eat up the, the shot clock the way a guy like James Harden does. But I mean three games, no. If I'm Steve Nash, I would want at least I'd want at least ten games to, to, to kind of try to get these guys all on the same page. Uh, especially if you're talking about being in a play in situation, right? Because if you're in the play in, depending on what seat you are, you lose two games, all of a sudden you don't even qualify for the playoff. So I'm a little concerned if I'm Steve Nash, but uh, I do have hope because, as I said, Ben Simmons is a facilitator, and he's going to be playing with some weapons that I think he'll be able to maximize rather easily.
1: It's going to be interesting to see how this all uh, unfolds, that's for sure. Moak, always appreciate you on, on our Sunday, Funday morning. Thank you so much, my friend. Enjoy the rest of your morning.
0: It is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.